Our Lord and our God, we thank you for another day, another uh, Lord's Day that you've given to us. We thank you for the the blessing of rest and uh, worshiping together as your people. Uh, We ask again that you would uh, uh, fulfill your promises among us. And uh, we pray, Lord, that as we focus again on your word and and uh, in this case, Proverbs, we pray for your help and understanding and and uh, developing the, the skill of interpretation. And we pray that uh, we would honor you in it and faithfully handle your word. And so we pray these things then in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, well, um, we, of course, have been looking at uh, this um, lesson here on how to study the scriptures. It's something, of course, I've been doing off and on for uh, a couple of years or more. And uh, we come to some more genres here. We've looked at the parables and now here the Proverbs. And they're very similar in that we're primarily looking for one key point in, in uh, whatever it is. And so for a parable, you have a longer story. Sometimes they're only a few verses long. Sometimes they're half a chapter long. But we're looking for one key point unless there's something in the text that says to look for more than that. Well, the same basic idea is found here with the proverb. We're looking for one key idea uh, here. Um, Now, as we transition to the antithetical proverbs, then there's the key idea and then it's it's contrast. Um, And uh, sometimes the proverb immediately brings to mind some image for us, some story, some picture. Uh, Other times it brings to mind... um, a, a particular, <coughs> excuse me, a particular uh, story in the scripture that applies that uh, that proverb, that principle that we see. So, um, we've looked here then so far at some of the uh, proverbs that basically are saying the same thing from the first line to the next line, and uh, sometimes we can debate: is this the same or is it different, and so forth. Um, But uh, we have those that basically say the same thing. Well, we also then have this category of Proverbs that say the opposite. And uh, as I've mentioned, Proverbs use the poetic element of parallelism um, in most all of them, but certainly not all Proverbs. And so for the ones that are the same, we're going to typically see this synonymous, right, or synthetic when we look at the ones that are opposite, then we're going to see the antithetic parallelism. And uh, so here we see synonymous and synthetic. Here we see the antithetic. Now, in each one of these, we can see other poetical elements, we can see chiasm. And, and so forth. So there are other things that, that can be found here. So <clears throat> let's look at a handful of examples of Proverbs that are antithetic in uh, what they're telling us. So let's start here in chapter 10. And these are two different ones, but uh, look at verses 16 and 17. I brought my computer this time because uh, last two weeks... Some of you have had questions, and I wish I had my, my program with me. Um, and so I brought it here this time. And so in chapter 10, verse 16, um, 
And somebody be willing to read that one for us here, please. Go ahead, Eric. The labor of the righteous leads to life. The wages of the wicked to sin. All right. All right. Now, <clears throat> there's actually no verb here in this proverb. Uh, the word leads is, is assumed. Um, I think that's a fair one to assume. Um, so the labor of the righteous, you could say unto life, the wages of the wicked unto sin. All right, so what's our main point? How would we summarize this? Um, it's rather short, so it's kind of hard to summarize something that's short here, but how would we summarize the key idea here? Okay, that's, that's a very general way of putting it, but I, I think that would be a fair summary of it. Anybody else have an idea? Okay, all right. Um, investing in, you mean in the sense of the life and sin? Okay. Mm-hmm, 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 yep, yep, okay. So, um, the investment of people, I mean, it, again, it's hard to summarize something that's already short, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that we could go in that direction. Yeah, Susan. Could it be warning? I'm sorry? Could it be warning? A warning, Okay, okay, yeah, um, um, if you didn't hear what she said, that the idea here is of warning, and uh, it's a warning to basically pursue the, the righteous life. Um, maybe you could say wisdom and warning or something like that, um, yeah. So again, the point here is we're looking for one key idea, and in this case, with the antithetic parallel, uh, Proverbs, we have the, the idea and then it's opposite. And so, um, so yeah, um, again, uh, the, the skill here is, is to interpret in this, can you say, mindset, looking at it in this way for, um, for our understanding. Now, remember some of the things that I've said uh, in the previous weeks. Proverbs are general truths. Okay? Sometimes they're exceptions. But his, this is the general truth. And um, certainly this is true ultimately. The wages of the wicked is uh, uh, sin and in the ultimate sense of, of eternal judgment. And the labor wage of the righteous is, uh, is life, eternal life. Um, now that's not saying that we earn our way to heaven. So we certainly bring in other passages. So again, these are general principles. Maybe there's an exception, especially you think, of the, the wages of a righteous life, sometimes we end up being killed for doing that. So you have to keep those things in mind. But the general principle, maybe you could put it this way. 
Blessings for obedience, curses for disobedience. Okay, so that principle we see uh, in Deuteronomy, for example. All right, any other comments on... Yes, Nayling. And that's the most basic meaning of the word. That punishment is a possibility, but sin is the, the most, you know, again, all words have a basic meaning, and then you can have a variety of others that are similar. Well, certainly that's ultimately true, and I think that's our default thought, you might say. But even unbelievers who sit in the church and do Christian things are going to receive some life benefits, if you will. Um, I, I would say that your thought is, is what we should think of. That, that would con- coincide with the general principle. Recognize there are exceptions to the general principle. Other things that you can bring in that the Bible teaches us elsewhere. Yeah. Okay. So let's look at the next verse then. Um, Nathaniel, can I get you to read that one? Proverbs ten seventeen. I'm glad you had the ESV because I like their translation a little bit better than the New King James in this way, in this verse. Um, but uh, yeah, do you see the contrast? Right, the uh, one line is, if you will, the good line, and the second line is the negative one, so to speak. And um, uh, similar to verse 16, but it has a different uh, focus here. The other was wages, the things you do, and what you receive from it. Uh, this has to do more with instruction, correction, reproof, uh, those kinds of ideas. Discipline, you could translate uh, the word in that way. Um, so the reason why I like the ESV better is because uh, the form of that last verb um, 
is in the Hebrew, it's called the hifil stem, so it's showing causative action. And so he's causing, he who rejects reproof is causing others to go astray, is the idea. He's not just going astray, which is true, but he's causing others to go astray. So anyway, I think um, the NAV does that as well. Whoever ignores correction leads others astray is how they do it. Um, and, and I think that's actually more true to the Hebrew form there. Um, <clears throat> all right, so how would you summarize? Yes, Kathy. Well, I think the proverb is more general than that, but you certainly can apply it that way. Absolutely. Um, I think we can lead other people astray without being in a position of leadership, right? So maybe you think of, um, I don't know, a bunch of siblings and their cousins, and they get together for Thanksgiving, and one of them turns out to be kind of the one that leads them into, uh, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> doing something they shouldn't. Um, and that isn't necessarily that they're in a position of leadership, but um, uh, certainly it can uh, be applied in that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, speaking of family get-togethers, I often would talk to a particular child in our family. <laughs> the way you behave is going to impact everybody else. So. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that person remembers those conversations, but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. To answer your question, I, I, it's certainly a, a way we can apply it. But I think the proverb is a bit more. Yeah, it's a bit more general mm-hmm. um, because um, the uh, I guess person that you would never expect ever to be up front leading anyone, if they're still keeping instruction, they're going on the way to life. Yeah. So, um, we're kind of getting at it here, but how would we summarize this proverb? So that, I think, made the proverb longer, but uh, that gets at the idea. <laughs> okay. But again, you see our task here. We're, we're wanting to um, learn one primary thing. Now we can apply it in the classroom or in a position of leadership or in family get-togethers. But 
uh, again, the principle is, is more broad than that. Um, all right, any uh, other thoughts or questions here on this one? All right, let's look at another one then. Um, let's turn to chapter 11, verse 1. All right, somebody read that one for us, please. False balance is an abomination to the Lord, but the just weight is his Yeah. All right. Or dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, and a just weight is his delight. So, yeah, false balance, dishonest scales. Um, yeah, I remember working at Bilo at uh, at way back when we used the scale right up up here and you'd put the produce on it or whatever and weigh it and ring it up and so on and of course you had to calibrate the scales on a regular basis so that uh, they wouldn't you know either be more or less than it should be um, all right so that was one example how would we summarize the idea here Okay, be fair. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, maybe we could add to that, be fair in your business dealings to please the Lord or something to that effect. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we just had an election here recently, <clears throat> and uh, there seems to be sufficient evidence to show that the Dominion software is not very honest. Um, I have heard numbers of the 2020 election that for every vote that Biden got, he got 1.25. And for every vote that Trump got, he actually got 0.75. Nobody really wants to investigate that, unfortunately. But uh, that's a dishonest scale, isn't it? I'm sure some of the same kind of shenanigans happened here a couple weeks ago. So certainly this is something um, that has a variety of applications at the store or here in this way with election. Um, So other thoughts or comments here about this proverb? Okay. So that brings in not just the fair business practices or however you summarized it, but the other aspect there. The Lord is pleased with that, certainly. Yeah. Um, Naylene, was that? I was kind of thinking same thing, but the opposite. That, you know, it's all going to get sorted out in the end because God knows what's going on. And integrity is, you know, is important to Him, even if it's not important to other people. But I was also thinking. Whatever, if there's thought that there's, if there's even 
and we certainly heard that in the last few years. You know, why bother voting? That doesn't doesn't make any difference. Yeah. And that's not the older argument that well, there's all these progressives in the big cities, so us out here in the hinterlands, our vote doesn't. You know, there's not enough of us to overcome them, and so why bother voting? This now uh, takes on the the idea that you know I can't trust the vote, so why bother? And some people have gone that direction. Well, God is pleased when we keep the ninth commandment, right? and displeased when we don't. And here, as Stan said, the focus is on business, okay? but certainly we can apply it in other ways, uh, but that's the, the emphasis here. All right, well, let's look at another one. Um, let's do chapter 19, verse 12. <clears throat> All right, somebody read that one, please. Yeah. <clears throat> What's that? Oh, yes. We went to Keystone Safari for the light-up. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, just a, a brief uh, comment about the poetry here. Uh, the, the comparative like is at the beginning of each one of these clauses. And so literally it says, Roaring like a lion, the wrath of the king. Okay, and then, uh, and like dew upon the grass... His favor, so it it switched around actually in the Hebrew to emphasize the comparison. Um, all right, so note we have this contrast here, antithetic parallelism again. So how would we summarize this point, this proverb? That's good for Nailey, and you know she always uses lots of words. So, you know, don't rile the king. That's a nice summary. <laughs> okay. Now, I would say warning is part of it, but I think it might have more of an emphasis on fear. We were at the zoo yesterday, 
and we heard the lion roaring, and it didn't scare us at all. We actually went, hey, let's go look. But there's you know, all this fencing and electric wires and so on and so forth. If you're out in the middle of you know, the jungle somewhere, or the African safari, I should say, um, I, I think you'd be pretty scared if you heard it. And yes, that's a warning. That's what they're doing. But I think the idea here is the king's wrath is scary, but the king's favor is blessing, to use the word you used there. Uh, yeah, Joe. Just the way it's worded, I don't think we can assume that the king is, is righteous. Even a, even a corrupt person in decision are going to favor people who agree with them. And they're going to you know, roar at people who disagree with them. Look at the news media and whoever's in the yeah. Oval Office, for instance. Sure, sure. good blessing yeah yeah i'm not sure the proverb would limit us to an evil king because um if we disobey god his wrath is scary and if we obey him it's it's a blessing right now again this doesn't mean work salvation that's not our point here um even a parent we can say that Right? If the child disobeys, parent gets upset. Well, that's kind of unnerving to the child. If the child does rightly, then yeah, the parent is, is uh, um, sprinkling dew, as it were. So uh, I think it can apply to what you're saying, Joe. I'm not sure it has to. Even the righteous king can, can be angry. That's what I was trying to say. Okay, well, maybe I misunderstood you. I'm with you. Well, yes, I, I think it certainly can apply either way uh, in that. Yeah, yeah. I guess I misheard or didn't hear the nuance that you intended there. <laughs> so, uh, other thoughts here? Again, our purpose here is not so much to learn the proverb, but to learn how to interpret the proverb. Um, that's our, our ultimate goal here. And again, the point is, look for the main point. And, uh, and then we can apply it in different ways. All right, let's look at chapter 21, verse 29. As I mentioned last week, I'm being somewhat random here. Uh, I'm not really intending any kind of pattern, just uh, randomly looked at different chapters and found one and said, here, let's talk about it. So um, somebody read this one, please. man puts on a bold face. Um, NIV, NIV says, put up a bold front. <clears throat> New King James says, hardens his face. 
Um, I like how the New King James does the second line, but as for the upright, he establishes his way. Now, there is a debate on how to, <coughs> excuse me, interpret that verb. Does it mean to establish or does it mean to think in some way or to understand? So there is some debate uh, in the Hebrew text there. But And so ESV says thinking, as Stan read, uh, and uh, New King James has established. Um, so there's a little debate there. But um, what's the main point here? How would we summarize this proverb. Okay. Yeah. 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 I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of hard to summarize a short statement here, <laughs> but okay. Again, I would say that is a way we can apply it. Proverbs is probably a little more general than that, but certainly that's a way we could, could make application. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, every time I see a press conference on TV, especially with politicians, I just think, hard face. What do you really think? Not what you're telling me. <laughs> okay. And that can be even the after a football game and they interview the, the star player of the game and they give you all the, you know, the, the regular line that everybody says. And it's like, well, what do you really think here? <laughs> well, that may be true, but... Uh, <laughs> um, but it is amazing how much you'll hear from, you know, a head coach, oh, this is what we, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then after the game or something, it was actually the opposite. I'm like, well, why did you just lie to us? I mean, I understand not telling everything, but why did you just give us a bald-faced lie? You know. But anyway, the, again, the point here is what's our principle, and then how do we apply it? And as we've done, not just with this one, but there, there are all kinds of ways we can apply these ideas. We have the initial point, like the back to the one about the, the, the business dealings, and we can apply it in other ways. Um, all right, let's look then at, uh, let's see, chapter 28, verse 12. All right, somebody read this one, please, for us. With a righteous rejoice, there is great glory, but when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. Yeah, that that final verb there, um, it, literally it has the idea, a man is searched for. 
which is the idea of hiding, right? You're searching for them. You can't find them. Um, and so this is a little bit of a paraphrase, but it's certainly getting at the idea. So, yeah, when the righteous rejoice, okay, um, uh, or exalt, hence the, the word triumph um, that uh, ESV has, for example, to exalt with a U, not an A, right? to exalt, so to triumph. When the righteous triumph and rejoice and such, there's great glory. Um, and uh, that word for glory can mean beauty, um, it can mean uh, respect or honor. So it, it, it's not the normal word for glory there. Uh, it has a little more nuance and, and even, if you will, aesthetic element. Uh, but when the wicked arise, people hide. Um, Well, it's it's a poo all stem, so it's a passive idea. Okay. So, I mean, your your point is generally true, but the focus of the verb is is a passive. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, again, like so many, I, I'm sure we could find another proverb that would say what you just said, <laughs> or certainly another passage well, a of scripture. Question. I figured there was something in the mm-hmm. proverb in the Hebrew that made yeah. that, because all the translations went that direction. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mine did. Yep. And so I was just curious. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, NAV says people go into hiding. That's how they, they put it. But yes, Susan. Well, I think part of the answer to your question is the specific word. As I mentioned here, it can mean beauty or honor or respect. Um, And so uh, you contrasted that with shame, which you might expect something like that. Here the contrast is, is hiding. You're trying to find somebody in comparison to being honored in front of everyone. That seems to be the contrast that is. Well, the righteous are, <laughs> and even even unbelievers who who are hiding from the wicked. But mm-hmm. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, I've been reading through Eric Metaxas' book um, here about the German church and such that 
was mentioned at our conference, and I'm about maybe halfway through it now. And, uh, and Bonhoeffer, we can disagree with him in his theology. He was liberal in some ways, and certainly Lutheran and so forth, but he, I, I think he was on to something um, and was unfortunately ignored by the German church there before the Nazis came. But, but anyway, the thing that I was reading this morning was the basic premise that uh, you know, when righteous men do nothing, you know, evil flourishes. That's uh, a paraphrase, you know, but um, that's the idea of this proverb, isn't it? Okay. So when righteous people do righteous things, there's all kinds of wonderful things. Okay, There's great glory and respect for that righteous person, but for everybody else too. But when the wicked arise, whether it be Hitler or you know, the modern progressive or whatever, um, right? people hide. I mean, how many people will not say anything because they're afraid to be canceled or something like that? Um, so, yes, Susan. I believe he was part of that group. I, does, does he get to it in the book? He was one of the ones in the plot. Yeah, because I, I haven't gotten to that if, if he mentions it in the book. But that, yeah, that was my memory, and Eric and Nailene are, so yeah. Yes, I would say so, but um Well, yeah, and just personal. Think of what we did as a country in both the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. There was an establishment of a new government that then was considered legitimate and responded to the then false government, whether it be the British one or the northern one in, you know, from the southern perspective. So it wasn't just a personal thing, but it was a, um, a corporate action and so to go along with what Nalene is saying, I think Bonhoeffer would m- try to make the case that, hey, this isn't just me out there with my, you know, my, my sniper rounds and so forth. But I, I'm joining with other people who see that the only option to stop this is an act of war against our own president, um, Fuhrer here. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how far do you go with it? <laughs> yeah.
Now, I would say what would be justified is establishing a new government and then acting, yes. And that's what we did in the founding of our nation, you know, 1776 in that time frame. Um, and that's what the South did in relation to the North. Yeah, PCUS. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So for a person to leave the church because they disagree with this, that, and the other and just worship God at home, that, that's missing the whole point. Joining with other Christians who have the same concerns and starting either a new denomination or going to another one, now that makes sense. So it's a similar... Similar idea, but in a church context. Yeah. yeah. All right. Did I hear the second bell there, Dale? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's after 1030 anyway. Okay. All right. Well, um, again, our point here is this to, to better learn the skill. Um, but obviously, we're getting on to other things, which is understandable because we're talking about the Proverbs themselves, uh, which is fine. <laughs> but... Um, uh, anyway, well, uh, next time, I want us to look at some, uh, we'll jump down to this one, some Proverbs that are not in parallel. And so we'll look at a handful of those examples and, and uh, so forth. So let's pray together. Our Father, our God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, the, the Proverbs. We thank you for the, the wisdom found within and the principles and things for us to learn um, about how to apply your law in everyday life. Uh, the ones that we've looked at even here today, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be righteous and wise in these different ways and, and not to be like the wicked and ungodly. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would um, be gracious to us in that way. We pray now as we uh, come to you in our worship that you would strengthen us and enable us to focus our hearts and minds on you and uh, to give you the praise that you deserve. And we pray, Lord, that you would use the means of grace here for us to, to grow us and make us more like yourself. And so we pray all these things then in Christ's name. Amen.